All right, good evening, everybody. Welcome to Genesis. How are you guys feeling tonight? Doing good? Good deal, good deal. Well, we're so excited to have you guys here tonight. My name is Mike, and, uh, and here at Genesis, we believe in having open doors and open hearts. And so I hope that when you came through the door tonight that you felt welcomed and, uh, and invited, and also hope that you came with an open heart because we have prayed and prepared for you. And so we are glad that you're here tonight. Uh, before we get started, I have two exciting announcements for you. Okay, you guys ready for this? All right. First of all, we are launching our small groups next week, okay? All right, here's the deal. Here's, here's the, uh, the, the contingency for this, okay? I need your help with something. So when I say, like, who's leading these groups, can we just give them a round of applause, okay? I know Harrison's going to have no problem with that, all right? You got me? All right, okay, cool. All right, so we're going to also hear the details, too, with them, like, as well, but the details will be in the back as well, so you don't have to remember everything. Okay, here we go. The Genesis Guys group, all right, will meet... Hold your applause, please. The Genesis Guys group is going to meet on Mondays at 7 o'clock. That's led by Miller Boone. Yes. Yes. And <laughs> Good deal. And uh, that's going to be at David Lawrence's apartment, which is across the street from the church, whichever direction. Um, yes. All right, the Genesis Girls Group is going to meet on Thursdays at 7 and will be led by Caroline Malley. So, yeah, let's give it up for her. Yes. Awesome. Yes. All right. And if you are a CSU student and you want to attend a group on campus, we have a guys and a girls group on campus as well, okay? The Genesis CSU Girls Group will meet on Mondays at 630, and that's led by McKenna Richards and Sarah Fleming. Yes. Awesome. And last but not least, the Genesis CSU guys group uh, will also meet on Mondays at 630, and that is led by Matt Goforth and Dylan Bell. Yeah, let's give it up for them. Good deal. Well, yeah, so we would encourage all of you to be a part of a small group. I've been a part of a group for a a long time, and it is highly impactful for your life and for your walk with Christ. And so, uh, you know, coming coming to service is significant. It's important. It's, it's, uh, you know, something you should prioritize. But there's something about going to a group that you can reach a deeper level by doing that. And so I would encourage you to join a group. Um, Like I said, we're going to have signups in the back for that tonight as well. The second announcement I have for you is this. Okay, I know we have a lot of college students that, that attend Genesis, whether that be CSU, College of Charleston, or Trident. And I've been through college. I know what it's like. I know the, the homework and the studying is a lot. And, uh, and usually that's a, a main reason why you can't attend Genesis throughout the week, which I, I totally get that. I understand that. That's why we want to make it easier for you this year. And so starting next Tuesday, so not obviously tonight, but next Tuesday, we're going to start opening up this building here next door uh, at 530. And you can come and do your homework and study here in this building. And, um, and so feel free to come at 530. And that's going to be every Tuesday. So like you, this is something that you can count on. Okay. Right. Homework's a lot, right? Studying is a lot. Okay. And so this is what, this is the deal with that. So we're going to provide free coffee for you guys. Uh, we're going to have some school supplies if you need them. Um, and we'll also, uh, we're gonna also going to have like some designated quiet zones. So like if you need to concentrate, you can do so. And last but not least, we have really good Wi-Fi, and it's, <laughs> and it's better than CSUs. Okay. So, um, not hating on them, I'm just saying. Um, and like I said, this will be every Tuesday going forward. So you can count on that, okay? Sounds good? Everybody good? Okay. All right. 
So to begin tonight, I want to ask you a question. How differently would you live your life if you knew God was with you in every situation of your life? How differently would you live if you knew that God was with you in every situation of your life, good or bad? Would it, would it change how you viewed your past? Would it change how you treat your present? Would it change, how, would it change your worries about your future? How differently would you live? Tonight, we're concluding our series, Spoiler Alert, and it has been a great month. We've talked about Samson, we've talked about Hosea and Gomer, and we've talked about Daniel, and throughout this month, we've been looking at Old Testament stories, seeing what we can learn from them, and then also finding Jesus in the Old Testament, and seeing how these stories point us to him. And tonight, we get to walk through what is uh, one of, in my opinion, one of the best stories in Scripture, in my opinion. And outside of the story of Jesus, it is my favorite story in the Bible. And I think it rivals any Hollywood movie or Netflix original you can find. And it's the story of Joseph. And so I'm really excited to, to talk about this tonight. The story of Joseph, as great as it is, is very lengthy, okay? And uh, it's, it's 14 chapters and 419 verses long. And we're going to read all of them. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we're not going to do that. Uh, what we are going to do tonight is I'm going to tell you the story, and I'm going to give you some scriptural highlights as we move through it. Um, we'll see what we can learn from it, and then at the end, we'll see how it points us to Jesus. Okay, sound good? All right, let's pray, and then we'll jump in. God, I thank you so much for tonight. God, I thank you for bringing every single person here. God, I thank you that every person in these seats, God, is a story and a soul, God, that you have good plans for. So God, I pray tonight that we would hear from you, that you would speak to us clearly through the story of Joseph. And tonight we would leave here closer to you than when we walked in. We love you. In Jesus' name, we all said together, amen. Awesome. Cool. So Joseph was the son of Jacob, and Jacob had 12 sons. So Joseph was one of 12 brothers, and out of the 12, he was Jacob's favorite son. He was like the teacher's pet, okay? Joseph was the favorite son, and Jacob loved Joseph so much, in fact, that he made for him this colorful robe of, uh, you might have heard of the coat of many colors, okay, that Joseph wore around like a traffic cone, okay? And so because of this, the brothers hated Joseph. They, they couldn't stand him. You know, like that little punk, his coat of many colors, right? We don't like that guy. They didn't like him. Okay, so it's important to know throughout this story that Joseph had a way with dreams, okay? And I'm going to need your help with this part, okay? So when I like start that sentence, like had a way with what? Dreams. I need you all to say it with me, okay? I need you guys to hang with me tonight. You're going to do that? Joseph had a way with dreams. Awesome. Cool. One night, Joseph has a, a dream. And in his dream, him and his brothers are, they're binding sheaves of wheat. And as they're doing this, Joseph's wheat stands up among the rest and everybody else's wheat starts bowing down to his wheat. Okay. And, uh, and that sounds a little arrogant, right? Well, well, Joseph, for whatever reason, he wakes up the next day and tells his brothers about his dream. He's like, hey, listen to this crazy dream I had last night. Okay. In my dream, we were binding wheat, and my wheat stood up, and then y'all's wheat stood up, and y'all's wheat started bowing down to my wheat, okay? You can imagine how that went over, all right? The verses uh, say that after, after this, the brothers hated him even more. They're, they were saying, why would we ever bow down to you? And then it gets worse. Joseph has another 
dream, okay? This time, the sun and the moon and the stars are bowing down to him, okay? Not just wheat, but like the universe is bowing down to him. And so the next morning, as the family's around the breakfast table eating their Wheaties, whatever they're doing, he decides to share his dream. And this time, you know, Jacob gets involved. Dad speaks up. And he's like, why would we ever bow down to you? And by this time, the brothers were indignant. They're very upset. They were about sick of Joseph. And so one day, as the brothers are out working in the fields, Joseph is at home, okay? Again, showing that he is the favorite, all right? The brothers are out working. They're sweating. They're this manual labor. Joseph is at home playing Fortnite, doing whatever, whatever he's doing, okay? And, and so the brothers are out working. Joseph is at home. And dad, Jacob, decides to come up to Joseph and say, hey, put down the controller for a little bit. Go check on your brothers. So Joseph meanders out to the field. He's wearing his coat of many colors. And the brothers see him from a distance, probably because what he was wearing was so bright, okay? They see him coming from a distance and actually says, they say, here comes that dreamer. And so as he's approaching, they make this plan originally to kill him. And then they decide, well, that's not a good idea. Let's just throw him in this pit. And so they decide to throw him into a pit. And so as Joseph approaches, they rip the coat of many colors off of him. They toss him into the pit. And as, as Joseph is in this pit, the brothers are sitting around eating lunch. And as they're eating lunch, this Egyptian caravan passes by. And they decide, wow, it might be a good idea to sell him into slavery to the Egyptians. And so they do that. They take his coat of many colors. They dip it into animals' blood. And they show dad, they show Jacob, hey, your boy didn't make it. He got attacked on the way to see us. He's dead, but actually he was on the way to Egypt. And when Joseph got to Egypt, he was bought as a slave by a man named Potiphar. And this is the first time we see this verse. This is Genesis 39 two. It says this. The Lord was with Joseph. How differently would you live if you knew God was with you in every situation of your life? good or bad, past, present, or future. As the story continues, because of the favor of God, it turns out that Potiphar, the guy who bought Joseph, really likes Joseph. And so Potiphar puts Joseph in charge of everything in his house. Now, in the verses, Joseph is described as handsome in form and appearance. And so in other words, you can read in between the lines there, he's a good looking dude, okay? And because of this, he caught the eye of Potiphar's wife. That's kind of scandalous, right? Like desperate housewives. And so she tells him to sleep with her. She says, lie with me. And Joseph is like, leave me alone, woman, right? I can't do that to God. I can't do that to Potiphar. I'm not going to do that. Well, she would not be deterred. And so she keeps asking and Joseph keeps saying no. Until one time she asks him and literally rips his clothes off. And he doesn't just say no that time. He runs out of the house with no clothes on. And it just kind of took a turn, right? So at this point, Potiphar's wife is sick and tired of being rejected. She's humiliated. She's embarrassed. And so she starts calling for everybody, yelling for help, and starts telling them all that Joseph tried to rape her. And because of this, Potiphar gets incredibly angry and throws Joseph into prison. And here we see this verse again, Genesis 39, 21. But the Lord was with Joseph. And as he's in the prison, the Lord's favor followed him. And just as he was at one point in charge of Potiphar's house, he's now 
been put in charge of the entire prison. And again, we see the scripture say that this was because the Lord was with him. How differently would you live if you knew God was with you in every situation of your life? And so, so far, we've seen Joseph first get thrown into the pit. Now he's been thrown into the prison. All right, so he's, are you guys tracking with me so far? So he's gone from pit to prison. But as we've seen, the presence of God had not left him. And, and so I know some of you tonight might be in a pit or a prison of your own. A spot in your life where you could easily say, God, where are you? Why am I in this place? Why am I dealing with this? Why am I experiencing this? Maybe you're dealing with a pit or a prison of depression, of anxiety, of addiction. Maybe a pit or prison of grief. Maybe it's one of guilt from the past. Or maybe it's one of uncertainty about the future where you're wondering how in the world God is gonna use whatever it is that you're dealing with. Or maybe you're just in a dry season of life where you feel like you're just treading water, doing your best and kind of wishing things were better. If you find yourself tonight in the pit or prison of life, you need to know that God is there with you. He's working. It might be behind the scenes. You may not be able to see it yet, but God is there and he's working, not just for your good, but for the good of his plan and purposes in the world. And we'll see that as the story of Joseph continues. And so while Joseph is in prison, Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, he throws two of his workers into prison with Joseph, into the same prison. He throws his cupbearer into the prison and he throws his baker into the prison. Now remember, Joseph had a way with with dreams, okay? And as the story goes, one night, the cupbearer and the baker both have dreams and they can't figure out what in the world their dreams mean. And so they ask Joseph, the cupbearer says, hey, what do you think about my dream? He explains the dream, long story short, Joseph tells the cupbearer, okay, well, this is what your dream means. In three days, you're going to be reinstated to your job with Pharaoh. And he's like, so when that happens, remember that I helped you and get me out of here when you get back before Pharaoh. And then the baker speaks up and he's like, hey, I like the sound of that. Help me with my dream. What does my dream mean? And long story short, Joseph tells the baker, in three days, you will die. So Joseph, again, like I said, he tells the cupbearer, remember me. And three days pass and both interpretations come true. The baker is hanged and the cupbearer gets reinstated. Unfortunately, though, for Joseph, the cupbearer doesn't hold up his end of the deal and doesn't get Joseph out of prison. And Joseph would stay in prison for two more years. Two years pass, and then something happens. Pharaoh has a dream. Pharaoh can't figure out what it means. And he exhausts all his options. Nobody can figure it out. Nobody can crack the code. And Pharaoh is very upset. And at that moment, as the cupbearer is standing there watching the Pharaoh unravel over this uninterpreted dream, the light bulb goes off. And he's like, oh yeah, I think I know a guy that might be able to help. Like two years ago, when I was in prison, remember that, when you threw me in prison? When I was there, this guy interpreted this dream for me and it came true. Actually, two dreams he interpreted and they both came true. I think he could probably help. And so Pharaoh calls for Joseph. They get him out of prison. They clean him up. They present him to the Pharaoh. 
And Pharaoh tells Joseph his dream and Joseph interprets it. And this is what he says. He says, okay, this is what's gonna happen. He said, you're gonna have seven years of plenty. Like seven years, you're gonna have so much food and that's gonna be followed by seven years of famine. And so you need to save food while you have it so that when you don't have it, when the famine comes, you'll have food to eat, which sounds pretty simple, right? Well, this is what he tells him. That's the interpretation that he gave him. And Pharaoh was blown away by this answer especially when Joseph tells him that the interpretation came from God. And so he tells Joseph, listen, I've never met anybody like you. I don't think I'm ever gonna meet anybody like you. And so I'm gonna set you over everything in Egypt and the only person over you will be myself. He then gave Joseph a ring. He gave him a gold chain. He gave him royal clothes and a wife. And Joseph would now spend his life living as second in command of all of Egypt. So, now we've seen Joseph, Joseph has gone from the pit to now to then the prison to now the palace. He's gone from pit to prison to palace. And it would be easy at this point to think, okay, well, this is what God had in mind, right? To bring Joseph to success, to foster his well-being, right? To, to repay him for all of his pain. Well, there's actually a much bigger reason why God took Joseph through the pit and the prison to get him to the palace, And it was much bigger than Joseph. As the story continues, everything that Joseph had said about the Pharaoh's dream had come true. They had seven years of plenty. They stored up food. And so because of this, when the famine came, Egypt was the only place in the world that had food. And so people were coming from all over to Egypt to buy food from them to survive. And so for a moment, let's zoom out of Egypt, okay? Let's go back home for a minute with Jacob and the brothers, remember them, right? The guys who threw him into the pit, the ones who, who uh, sold him into slavery, those guys, well, they didn't have any food. They were impacted greatly by the famine. And then they heard, yeah, there's food in Egypt. And so the brothers set out on a trip, on a trip to Egypt to buy food. And remember, Joseph was second in command. He was the one who orchestrated this whole concept of storing up food. And he, so he was the one in charge of making the sales. As you, and so he was in charge of making the sales. That's Joseph calling. Um, so you kind of see where this is headed, right? The brothers arrive in Egypt. The brothers arrive in Egypt. They go before Joseph. But the problem is they don't recognize him as Joseph because it had been years since they sold him into slavery. And at the time, he was probably wearing the traditional Egyptian headdress and the makeup that royalty wore. And as they go before Joseph, they all bow at his feet. And at that moment, at that point, Joseph's mind races back to those dreams, right? Those dreams of sheaves of wheat bowing down, those dreams of the moon and the stars bowing down, and the memory of sharing those dreams and being ridiculed and rebuked for sharing them. And right before his eyes, those dreams are coming true. Right, right before his eyes, the dots are connecting that the pit and the prison had led him to the palace for this very moment, the very moment that, where he would meet his brothers again and he'd be given an opportunity to not give them what they deserve, but instead use his power to rescue them. And so after a period of testing, he gets to a point where he can't hold it in anymore and he's crying, he wipes off the makeup takes off the headdress and he says, it's me, it's Joseph, your brother. 
And at this point, the brothers are, the other, the 12 are terrified, right? I can see why, right? They had done wrong to a man who had the power to make their lives miserable or kill them for that matter. They had done wrong to this man, but Joseph tells them, he says, don't be afraid. For now I see why God did it. He sent me here to save you before you even knew that you needed saving. The brothers go back and bring Jacob, their father, to Egypt, and they move there, and they survive the famine. And little did they know at the time, but out of that family would one day come Jesus, the one who would not just save a family, but the world. Joseph had moved from the pit to the prison to the palace, and now he'd seen the payoff. And in this story, Joseph makes this powerful statement. This is Genesis 50, 20. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. You meant evil, but God meant it for good. So from this story, I want you guys to see that God is with you in every moment of your life. That he's with you in the good and he's with you in the bad. The Lord is with you as much in the pit and the prison as he is in the palace. And so if you find yourself in the pit and the prison parts of life tonight, keep going. Do not give up. The palace and the payoff are coming. And that might be heaven for all we know. But there is a process of refining that is taking place in your life that can only be found in the pits and the prisons. And so you need to know tonight that if you're in a tough season, if you're in a time of life that you don't understand or one that seems uncertain, God has not forsaken you. God is with you. He is never leaving you. And he will never waste a single moment of your life. Romans eight twenty eight. for those who love God, all things work together for good. All things, the pit, the prison, and the palace, the good and the bad, the joy and the pain, the hope and the hurt, all of it. All of it is working together for the good. The trust and the faith in God that is formed in the pits and the prisons cannot be found anywhere else. I love this quote by C.S. Lewis. He says this. The enemy's cause is never more in danger than when a human, when you and I, no longer desiring but still intending to do God's will, looks around a universe from which every trace of him seems to have vanished. In other words, you're sitting in the pit wondering why in the world you're there. And you still obey. Here's one thing I want you to get tonight. If we can trust God with our eternity, we can trust him with our tomorrow. If we can trust God with our eternity, we can trust him with our tomorrow. He's got you. He's with you. And he's never leaving you. So how differently would you live if you knew God was with you in every situation of your life, good or bad, past, present, or future? If you knew, if you know God's with you in the tough times, your perspective on them changes. It changes from God, why, to God, how. God, how are you going to use this? If you know God was with you in your past, it can help you see how he's got you to this point. The resilience he's built inside of you, the strength that he's built inside of you that you wouldn't have otherwise. And now when you look at your future, if you know what God is with you and what's ahead, you can trust that whatever comes your way, whether it be a pit, a prison, or a palace, 
He's with you, and he'll use it. And it's important to see in this story the similarities between Joseph and Jesus. And, and as we've said, God sent Joseph there, took him through the pit in the prison to get him to the palace so that he would save the bloodline that would lead to Jesus. And so as we said, that, that's, that this story serves that, that purpose. We've also said that every part of the Old Testament serves as a foundation to the work of Christ and an arrow to the work of Christ. So how else does the story of Joseph do that? Well, just as Joseph was betrayed by his brothers, Jesus would be betrayed. They were both lied about and condemned. Just as Joseph was sold into slavery, Jesus was put to death. And then they were both raised from the lowest spot to then sit on the highest throne. And instead of exacting vengeance on those who deserved it, they would use their power to rescue and forgive. And just as Joseph saved his brothers, Jesus saved us before we even knew we needed saving. And just as the Lord was with Joseph every step of the way, he was with Jesus every step of the way, and he is with you in every step of the way. This time of life, this young adult time is where we find so much uncertainty, right? Questions about ourselves, questions if we have what it takes, questions about what the future holds, questions about why we may have experienced things in our past. You need to know tonight that God is standing behind it all, orchestrating it for his glory and orchestrating it for your good. There's an illustration I really like. I've used it before. I've used it many times, actually. And um, it means a lot to me, this thought. I've used it um, here, but I've also used it at places like funerals. This idea of a tapestry. You guys know what a tapestry is. It's this fabric uh, woven together. It's beautiful, right? When you can see the picture, it's beautiful. But if you look on the other side, it's just a mess. It's these little threads going everywhere. It doesn't really look like anything. It's blurry. That's what we see when we look at our life. We see the, we see the blurry. We see these threads going anywhere, and it seemingly doesn't make any sense. This thread going this way, that thread going this way. This thread of pain, that thread of that experience. We don't really get it. And one day, when we get to eternity, when we stand before God, all he does is just flip it over. And you get to see this beautiful picture that he's been creating since the beginning of time. Tonight, we're going to conclude with communion. And we do communion because we are commanded to by Jesus. He said, do this in remembrance of me. The bread is a symbol of his body broken for us. The the juice is a symbol of his blood shed for us. And that through his death and resurrection, we are made right in the eyes of God. And our eternity is secure in him. And like we said, if we can trust God with our eternity, we can trust him with our tomorrow. We can trust him with the temporary. And so whatever it is that you're dealing with tonight, your pit, your prison, know that God is with you in it. And he's not going to waste a moment of it. Before you come up, take a second. Give your situation over to God tonight. Thank him for securing your eternity. And then start trusting him with the here and now. When you're ready, come take a piece of bread, dip it into the juice, and eat. Let's pray.
God, I thank you so much for the story of Joseph. God, that shows us that no matter what we're dealing with, the pit, the prison that we're in, doesn't mean you've left us. God, you're right there with us in it. And so, God, I pray tonight that whatever pit, prison, we may, we, we may find ourselves in tonight. God, I pray we'd feel your presence in the midst of it. God, that we'd stop asking the question, God, why, and start asking, God, how? How are you going to use it? What's this thread going to do?